Good morning. It's good to worship the Lord, yeah? It's just something that we've endeavored to do in this house, is to always put His agenda first and His worship before our agenda, and um, we will continue to do so. We will continue to do so. God is certainly good, and I just love the testimony that Tommy brought as well. just want to quickly uh, encourage you all. Um, I'm not going to be bringing the Word today. Um, I'll tell you who is in a moment. It's a secret. It's not. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't voted, to please vote. To please vote. Please vote. Please vote. I've got a good idea. You should vote. If you haven't voted, please vote. You should vote. All right. I think you got it. Are you going to vote? Yeah. Great. Please vote. Please vote. Yeah, it's very, very important. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to make a quick announcement real quick. Um, we've had a whole series of cancelled events, and uh, that's, we don't obviously like to do that. So I just wanted to just announce quickly. We've had four festivals cancelled. The Free at Last, which is a conference my dad is doing. We've postponed that, uh, which we'll tell you about in a moment. Women's event, a youth event, a kids event, another youth event. All these different events that we've advertised and then we've cancelled. Some have been for weather. Some have been for other reasons. We had the, the women's conference that the lady was coming. She'll price. She got sick. So that was cancelled. And so I, I spoke to the staff and I said, you know, it's just a data point for me, you know, I'm always 50,000 feet above. That's just the way I, that's, I live up there and I think up there. And sometimes that can be frustrating to administrative people. But um, for me, it's just a data point of the fact that we need more staff and we need some more help because our staff just cannot handle right now. So I just wanted to, we are hiring some more. Tommy starts with us tomorrow, which is awesome. And... Um, he, he texted this morning, and he said, listen, I'm going to be a little late. And I said, don't worry, you start tomorrow. So this is the last day of that nonsense. So <laughs> it was just a joke. But he starts tomorrow. And uh, so we're excited as the staff is growing. But we have had a few canceled events. We just wanted to say we're aware of it. We're doing the best we can. We're trying to hire some more people. And that's really all it is a sign of. It's just a sign that the people that we have are working really hard. And uh, we're trying to carry things. So I just encourage you to pray for the staff, pray for us. And um, pray that I don't drive them too crazy. That'll be, that'll be awesome. Dad, why don't you come real quick? Um, my dad is going to be hosting a free at last seminar conference on December 10th and 11th. And I don't know if you want to say anything. Yeah. You don't have to. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Again, apologies for canceling last week. It was out of our hands. We were in L.A., Michelle and I, doing a family retreat for a church. We got back late, late, late Sunday night. And Tuesday, we got a phone call from the pastor to say one of the doctors that is part of that church, who was actually signing everybody in, he got COVID. And then the pastor's son got COVID. And so we were, we, Michelle and I weren't worried about it in any form or any shape. We're fine. But just out of integrity and just out of um, uh, just being wise, we felt we needed to just postpone it for a week. Well, not for a week, for a couple of weeks. So now it is going to happen in December. I think it's December the 10th and 11th, Friday night and Saturday. It's called Free at Last. It's about walking in freedom. One of the greatest testimonies to Christ is a free person. 
because he came to set us free. Amen. And so that's what it's about concerning the area of deliverance, which is a very misunderstood subject, very misunderstood. And so we're just going to bring some uh, truth to it, some sanity to it, some practicality to it, and some freedom to people. Amen. It is open to whoever wants to come. If you want to invite other people, you're more than willing, no problem. So we're trusting for a wonderful weekend, a freedom weekend. Amen. Awesome. I encourage you all to come. I really, really do. Um, I really just encourage you to come. If you want to understand some of the authority that we have in Christ, I encourage you to come. We grew up seeing demons cast out all the time. It was not unusual for us. And, you know, we came here and it's like people think that demons don't exist in America. But let me tell you, they do. They're just subtle. You just have to call them out. Say, come out. So, Dwayne, can you come? Dwayne's going to be bringing the word. We started a series almost two weeks ago with Andrew Brunson um, from the Family Research Council. We played a video here, and uh, he talked about simple devotion. And so we started a series, Simple Devotion. Last week I covered prayer. I hope that was helpful. Um, we had some wonderful reports, which was, which was great. And, um, but, you know, I always throw it out to the elders, and I say, if any of you, this is what we're looking to do, something practical, simple, just how to have a daily, simple, practical life with Christ. What does Christianity look like day to day? Some core truths. Just simple devotion. And uh, Dwayne said he would love to do something. So uh, we're going to hear from that. So can I pray for you? Mm -hmm. Father, I thank you for this man. I thank you for his integrity and his honesty and his love for your word and his love for your people. I thank you for him, Lord. I thank you for the authority that he walks in and the wisdom that he walks in. And today I know his desire is not for people to see him, but to hear you, the truth of your word and be free in Jesus' name. Bless you, Dwayne. Thank you. Welcome to everybody. This, is, this series is going to be very interesting. I love it. I love the idea. It's actually, as Clayton mentioned, the intention is to be very practical. And sometimes being very practical means you have to be very simple and if you know anything about trying to make things simple, it is hard work. You actually have to put in a lot of thought to say less. That's what we say in our field, because there is a prize to saying as much as you can with as few words as possible. So having things be practical and yet very simple is a challenge, but it's, a, it's actually been wonderful. I enjoyed actually preparing just for the Sunday. And if you were here last week, Clayton mentioned uh, in the first part of the series about prayer. I'm going to reference some of that too. It was fantastic. And today I'm going to talk about trust. And trust is a very interesting thing. And if I could tell you sort of a general statement of what I hope to accomplish today, and I'll just tell you a little bit of background in that Tommy actually asked me, he texted me, he says, you know, I'd love to pray for you. It's like, what can I pray for? And he almost said that I sort of shocked him when I said to pray for his presence. And I was talking to him about it today, you know, as we were praying before the service. And the reason why I asked him to pray for his presence, and I've been praying for his presence, is because while I can talk to you about trust, and there are mechanics to be sure, there are truths about trust, it is more important that the one who is trustworthy be here. 
it is so much easier for me to communicate something of trust, something practical about growing in trust, if the one I'm asking for you to place your trust in is here, real, present, intimate, not far off, not remote, not somebody who's phoning it in if you happen to put in a request. That's why we're so desperate for his presence. So trust. I have a, they're going to put up the slide, but back in November of 1987, Time Magazine had this cover story, and the cover story was entitled, Who's in Charge? So it's 34 years ago now. Asking this question, who's in charge, and answered it saying, the nation calls for leadership, and there is no one home. And lest you think I'm talking about the politics, about the voting, yes, these are real issues, but I'm not actually talking to you about that. The sentiment that was portrayed in this cover story back then was actually a profound one because the context of this, and many of you weren't even born yet. In October 19th, 1987, affectionately called Black Monday, many of you love to invest, many of you love to invest in cryptocurrency even. But on Black Monday, the stock markets, and there were multiple global stock markets, fell by more than 20%. So to put that in context for you, that would be like you waking up tomorrow and seeing the Dow Jones fall by about 8,000 points. That's the magnitude of what they were facing in October on 19 of 1987. That's what Black Monday was. And it cast a pall over so many because of the role of finances in people's lives. And that circumstance was the context of people just feeling unsettled, thus the title of that magazine article, Who's in Charge? And may I say that this is not an unfamiliar time relative to that sentiment, because there is much uncertainty, there is much unknown, and that level of unknown and uncertainty is only increasing, and the people feel it. Many people feel unsure. The pandemic certainly has contributed and been a large part of that, and there's a lot of opinions about all that's happened relative to the pandemic. Not here to talk about that either, but here's a fact. There was a study done by Boston University recently, and before the pandemic, 8.5% of U.S. adults reported being depressed before the pandemic. That number has risen to 27.8% as the country struggles with COVID. That's a 3x increase in depression. We have a problem. The vacuum of leadership that people would attribute, or in terms of this same sentiment of who is in charge, people feel that because there is instability in their lives and they're looking around to what is going to stabilize them. Psalm 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's basic question, and that question is rising up in people, where does my help come from? So the church, which is us, by the way, not the building, us, we have an opportunity to fill this leadership vacuum. That's the purpose of why I'm talking to you about trust. It's you and I, it's us in our daily lives, it's us being the light of the world, 
that can actually be light and life to people around you. Certainly by your immediate family, but your neighbors. There's no limit. Every sphere of influence that you have could potentially be an opportunity for you to answer that question, who's in charge? It is a fundamental question being asked today. I have four boys. They're a lot younger. Obviously, a, a new generation, one of them even being a millennial, and they're very different. I, I love them because they're cynical, far more cynical than probably, and I'm pretty cynical, by the way. <laughs> but they are far more cynical in a very different way. You see, what they have cynicism of in this generation that has risen up is that what they see with respect to the government, they do not have that same trust in the government. There's this level of cynicism that has arisen because innately what they feel is that, and the government's contributed to this, that the government has done their best to undermine the public's trust. And that's an element of cynicism. And I applaud that generation for this reason. Because on the issue of trust, where does my help come from? For my generation and those before, there was an innate sense that, you know, the government actually is here to help. And there's a faith element, there's a foundational element to our generation where we actually believed that they can solve some of our problems. So to this new generation rising up with this level of cynicism that actually doesn't really believe that, that's one less thing that needs to be dismantled before the true trust in God can actually occur. I love that fact. Because they are further along, it is so much easier, so within their grasp, to actually have their trust being placed in the true foundation and not structures of man. So we're going to talk about trust today, and we're going to talk about it in three areas, and I'll try and be conscious of time, and I'll, I'll start paraphrasing, I'm sure, if I run out of time, but three areas, your future, finances, and family. That's what I want to talk about to you today in this area of trust. And trust is a, is a very interesting thing because there are mechanics to it. And if you actually thought about it, everybody has had to, had to add, answer the question for themselves in various circumstances, in all the spheres that they walk in, of whether they're going to put their trust in a person, a thing, something. We all have done it. But it's actually important to try and break this down and really understand what's, what's really happening here. Because there is a definition I looked up in, in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, and this is what trust is defined as. Assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. It's a beautiful definition. I can't even tell you what it really means, but that's what the definition is. But how does trust actually work? Because to be practical and simple, I actually have to start to think about this. Because it's not enough for me to use code of, well, you know, trust. You've got to put your trust in that. That doesn't go very far. But if you really start thinking about what it means to trust, this is a scenario that I believe is a framework for you to really start to analyze this and think about it and actually to understand yourself. You see, if I ask you to trust me, this is your likely circumstance. You have a problem, you have a dilemma, 
you have something that is occupying your mind and you're anxious about. And so if I'm asking you to trust me, you now get the choice to decide whether I can be trusted to handle your problem. This is your circumstance. This is what actually happens when you have to make the decision of whether you're going to put your trust in me or somebody else. And here's the kicker. If you place your trust in me and I fail, you will experience undesirable consequences. I don't experience them. You experience them. And hence, trusting is not so simple. It actually should be quite scary because you're asking somebody to take care of a problem that you inherently can't take care of, and if the person that you place your trust fails, you bear all the costs. That's a little bit of the mechanics of trust. See, the Bible talks a lot about trusting in the Lord. That phrase is used repeatedly, almost as if we don't want to believe it or don't want to do it. For me personally, I can say that, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, very well known. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or make your path straight. I've read this verse, thought about it, mentally contemplated it thousands and thousands of times over my life. To, to a degree, it's like my life's verse. And I always come back to it, and if I can be very honest with you, sometimes I get a little offended by it. Here's why. Because, and some of you know me better than others, but if you know me, you know that part of what I do for a living, part of my job, I'm hardwired for this, by the way, is to actually see into the future, to see based upon what we have as facts and as likely courses of events where it's going to go. That's my job. That's what I do. I'm just hardwired to see where, where is this thing going to end up? And yet this verse is actually telling me that everything that I have in my natural understanding, every perception that I have of where I believe this thing is heading, you actually have to deny that. And I, I get offended by that. I say, you know, God, you made me like this to see, and now you're telling me that you can't, you got to toss that away. It's like, that almost seems unfair. Just being honest with you. As I said, I've thought about this thousands of times. See, here's the thing. Your and mine, our natural understanding is at odds with trusting in him. I can't tell you anything different. That is what this verse is telling you. Because there is our natural senses, and some of us have gifts, actually, of going beyond natural senses and actually seeing. But there's still an element of our understanding that is limited because it is inferior. It is in part to what he sees. And whatever level of understanding we have that still is at odds and in opposition to actually trusting in him. This is not good news. I've never enjoyed this. And that's why I felt, in part, it's unfair. But it's, that's what the verse is telling me. Because it's not trusting in part. It's trusting in entirety. It's trusting fully. It's putting all your hope in that. 
even though your mind and your understanding is telling you uh, no. Matthew 18, verse 2, let's read that. Then Jesus called the little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. There is an innocence. There is a humility of being children of the light to receive without any understanding that's part and parcel of how we're intended to operate and I'm not telling you anything any of us doesn't know 1st Peter 5 verse 6 says this therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now that word care that you're supposed to cast upon him, that word care, it's called merimna. And this is the definition of that word. And it's based upon a root word, meritzo, which is to divide, to separate into parts, cut into pieces, to divide into parties, be split into factions. That's what that word means to draw in different directions to distract. Hence, that word merimna is referred to as anxious care, your anxieties. That's what that word, that's what you're supposed to cast upon him and he will lift you up in due time. That word is the same word that you know and are very familiar with from the parable of the sower when he talks about the seed that fell among thorns. When it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 18, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares, that's that word, merimna, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The cares that you carry, your anxious concerns, those cares are the thorns. And when those thorns are allowed to persist and grow, they will literally, as the parable speaks, choke out by cutting off all visibility to the sun so that the word of God cannot grow. You are cut off from the life, from the source of life and growth. That is the risk that we carry when the cares are not cast upon him. When the anxieties are allowed to persist and to grow, they will choke out the life of God in your life. And I haven't answered the question yet, which is, so what am I supposed to do? There is, I love this quote, this, this quote from Blaise Pascal. He was a in, physicist from the 1600s, French physicist. And he says, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. I love this quote. Not because I'm an introvert and I kind of like to be by myself. That's true, but that's not why I like the quote. 
And I don't know, I don't know Blaise Pascal, this 500 years ago, but the issue he was speaking to, which Clayton spent quite a bit of time talking about, which is where I'm referring back to last week's message, is that when you spend time with, by yourself, well, guess what? You get to deal with you. There's nobody else in the room. And when you start to deal with you, you dealing with you, you can't escape the problems. There's no distractions. Oh, we want to be distracted, and there's an infinite number of distractions in our society to prevent you from actually being self-introspective and actually looking at yourself. Because when you look at yourself, the fears, the anxieties, the concerns are all right there. And now you have a choice. What are you going to do? Your first instinct is to get out of that room. I don't want, I don't like me. Well, yeah, you're stuck with me. <laughs> right? I, there's one person in this room that likes me. Those moments of humble self-reflection enables us to actually identify and now we have a choice of whether they get removed. Those thorns that are seeking to choke off the life of God in your life. And that's what trust is about. When you're alone with yourself and there's nobody else to blame, just you, and you have to be self-critical and acknowledge that I have some problems, I have some fears, I have some concerns, and in that moment there is an opportunity, and only you can decide this, to cast those concerns upon him and say to him, I trust you, Lord, to deal with this. And as I took you through the steps of what trust actually looks like, that's a very scary proposition. Some of this relates to your future, your job, your family, your relationships. And to actually say to God, I give this to you, and I trust you to actually deal with this. And if you don't, I pay the price. That's the level of trust that he's asking for. And nobody does that lightly. Nobody. Last week, Clayton, in talking about Matthew 6 and about prayer, the first three steps he said, go into your room, shut your door and pray to your father in the secret place. That's the beauty of being with yourself in the room alone, as Blaise Pascal said. It is in that place that your problems can actually get dealt with by bringing them and casting them upon the father. So we're going to do that. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've done this. And you're doing this still. See, the thing about thorns, I hate gardening, first of all. <laughs> My mother loves it. I hate it. The thing about gardening, and it, part of it is the curse of the fall, because we're, look, it's part of the curse of the fall. There are going to be thorns and thistles, and we have to deal with this continually. And when I talk to you about casting your cares upon him, don't mistake what I'm saying as thinking that, oh, it's a one and done. As often as weeds appear in your garden, as often you have to clear them out 
so that the, what you actually value in your garden has an opportunity to grow is as often as you casting your cares upon him and trusting him to deal with it. This is, for many of us, not a once-a-day thing even. It's a multiple-times-in-a-day thing. So we're going to do this. It's simple, but I just want you to understand, and I'm going to model it based upon how I've prayed some of these prayers. And it's, it's not a catechism. Far be it. What I hope to communicate in the entirety of this message is the heart of it. And it's always about him. So if you would, many of us are in that place facing something. Uh, let me back up to put this to help you. I was talking to an occupational therapist just the other day. And the occupational therapist used a phrase that I'd never heard before. It's like, well, what do occupational therapies help with? Well, anything that you're occupied with. Like, well, that makes sense. So casting your cares upon him is kind of like that. Whatever occupies your mind, that now becomes an opportunity for you to cast upon him and trust in him to deal with. So you'll know this because what occupies your mind? What care? For in the more extreme versions, it wakes you up at night. So we're going to just do this in a very simple way, which is just close your eyes. All of you just close your eyes if you can, which you can. And if there is something that is occupying your mind, there's something that you have been carrying for a season or such a, a large thing that it, quite frankly, is causing anxious concern in your life. Just picture that in your mind. And I'm going to pray because I have one and I'm going to pray for my issue. But I want you just to just hear the words and I'm trusting just the heart of, of how you can do this. Lord, you see it all, you know it all, and you are faithful. And I don't even know how you're going to work it out. I don't even know what's over the horizon. But I trust you. I trust in you. So far beyond what I can know and understand, I just trust you and your love. So you do it, O oh Lord. Amen. That's what I do. And sometimes I do this multiple times in the day for a same, that same issue. Because you know when, when it's there. Because it occupies your mind. Finances. Let's talk about finances. I love worship, by the way, today. I got tissues all in my pockets and, you know, it's just, it was a great time. It was a great time. Sometimes in worship, God gives you just ideas of ways to talk about it. So I'm just going to kind of scramble what I talk, what I wrote down for finances. Because in this area of finance, I do want to talk to you about the beauty of the tithe. 
and I'm kind of excited about this. I've talked about finances, by the way, many times in this church, and I love it because everybody has a different place, comes from a different place, has a different background, and it can be controversial, but I'm here to talk to you about the beauty of the tithe. And I know some of you might have had not so great experiences from church leaders talking about the tithe, and that's fine. I will tell you our perspective on it because I've talked a little bit about this in the discovery course. But see, part of the problem, and, and we, we do it a little bit differently here, and I told them that sometimes it takes you a while to come up with the right language to actually understand like what we do here. And in the history of this church, we've never actually passed an offering plate, I think. I've been here from day one. And we have a box, and you can go put your tithes and offerings in, and some people like wonder whether we even care about tithes. We do. <laughs> There's a beauty of the tithe that is important for me to talk to you about. Because our responsibility is to give you the whole counsel of God. We are not positioned here, and this is all out of order because I'm, I'm just talking now. But in Hebrews 7.5, it talks about how the priest did it under the law. And it says, now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from their people. The tenth is what, that's all the tithe means. And that word collect, in, in the uh, ESV, it actually says to take. And you just have to understand the context. And I, I just tried to explain, you know, our perspective on the tithe. You see, under the law, they actually had the ability to enforce it because there's blessing and curses relative to the law. So the priests in, in, under the law had every right to actually take the tithes. That's just facts. We are not under the law. We are not. The beauty of the tithe is not codified in the law. The law codified all of the practices re relative to the tithe and Malachi 3 is included in that as part of the law. All of that codification of the tithe is not the beauty of the tithe. The beauty of the tithe, the tithe was first introduced by Abraham 430 years before the codification of the law. And that's what I'm here to talk to you about, of the beauty of it. So to paraphrase what the, the context of what Abraham experienced, so you know Abraham and his cousin Lot, they became so prosperous that they're like, the land's not big enough for the two of us, so we got split. You pick one way, I'll go the other. So Lot went and picked the more fertile areas, which happened to be where Sodom was. And he settled there, and then there was a war erupted, four kings versus five. This is all in Genesis 14, by the way. And there was a, a war that erupted between four kings and five kings. And as part of that skirmish, Lot, as, along with the people of Sodom, were taken captive, and Abraham was notified. And Abraham, with 318 of his trained servants, then went and rescued Lot. Won the battle, got all of the people and the goods, and returned. And now, two kings show up. One was Mel Melchizedek, king of Salem, who is the forerunner of Christ, a type of Christ. And the second was the king of Sodom. 
And when Melchizedek shows up, he blesses, he pronounces a blessing. And there were two revelations as he was speaking to Abraham that are the revelations that are behind the tithe and the beauty of it. And these revelations are from Genesis 14, 19, and 14, 20. The first is the revelation that God is possessor of all. Because he says, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. We actually sang some of that today. Second revelation that it is God who gives success. He said, blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So Abram receives these revelations and he gives a tithe. That's the context. That's the, it was by faith. Abraham is the father of your faith. And in general, I would not want you to do anything without faith, even considering tithing. So I said, the king of Sodom also appeared. And he says, just give me the people, you keep the goods. And Abraham said, uh-uh, no. And the king of Sodom actually represents self-reliance. So the king of Sodom, in response to that, this is what Abram says in Genesis 14, 22 and 23. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, as I said, representing self-reliance, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath. That's commitment. That I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the throng of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, self-reliance, I made Abram rich. He took an oath. That's the strength of his conviction. And this is the beauty of the tithe. God responds with a promise. In Genesis 15:1, the word of the Lord comes and he says to Abram, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your very great reward. It is a promise. Security, protection. But most of all, what you get is him. He is your great reward. The beauty of the tithe has very little to do with money. The beauty of the tithe and the reason why we so believe for you with this area of tithing and it's personal. It's between you and God. It's not us. We're not involved in that equation. But it is something that you are rewarded with with riches that are so far beyond money. You know, today, as I said, we're talking about trust. And the, the command appears so often in his word, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, and yet fear is rampant. Psalm 112 verse 7 says, he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. We want that for you. And that is the beauty of the tithe.
All you need to understand about our perspective of the tithes, because it's not really about Free Life Church, is that we are in this same journey of trusting God just like you. What you work through in faith with God on whether you decide tithing is for you, you have to work that out. But as it relates to finance in this church, we as a leadership have placed our trust in God and that is an entirely different transaction of whether or not you tithe. You just need to understand that. And I understand when you start mixing these things and it gets confusing, but you just need to understand that these are separate relations, independent with God. So the beauty of the tithe It's the beauty of the tithe. It is personal to you, but I would be failing in, in my responsibility to you by not giving you the full counsel of God. For those of you who have started your own business, you have a different level of understanding as God is your source because there's no intermediary. It's just the way it is. I know that, I've started my own business. You're, there's no, well I have an employer, they're gonna give me a paycheck. That, that's gone. And tithing is a part of that equation of just having a revelation that he is the source of your, so he owns it all. He is the source for your success and understanding him as your source, that's where all the promises start to just flow out. He is your shield. And he, he himself is your very great reward. His presence. You are blessed with his presence. That's practical Christianity right there. So that's finances. That was probably a little bit all over the place, but let me get to the last one. Last one is family. Trust with respect to family. I guess I don't have enough pockets. Family. This one's not going to be, I only have a few minutes left, but this isn't going to, it's not going to take as long. Trust in the context of family in your home. Actually, let me tell you a story. Because <laughs> I thought about this just this morning. Today is Halloween, by the way. I'm sure you are not unaware. And I was thinking about, I, I don't dwell on Halloween, of, of course, but you know, years and years ago, we used to do outreaches for Halloween. And the whole thought was that, you know, it's the one day of year that people come to your house Uninvited. I mean, it's true. I mean, somebody told us that. I was like, wow, that's true. Okay, what are we going to do? Anyway. So, and, and our kids will probably remember a little bit of this, but so because, you know, I mean, think about an outreach, right? And, and many people have done many different outreaches of many different times, and you're out there and you're trying to reach people and 
but Halloween, they just come to your house. Kind of simple. That's the idea. So, you know, we would do, we, for a few years, I can't remember how many years we did this, but we would actually, we had some other people from Free Life, well, at that time, it was Chesapeake Church, but they came to our house and helped us just do an outreach where it's just, you know, we would give them water, hot chocolate, you know, just, you know, to be neighborly, which is not typical in Northern Virginia. And, but the one thing about this that I just absolutely loved, you know, because, you know, we'd bring power cords. I, I mean, we did some silly things. Like, I had a fire pit. We did s'mores. I mean, I'm a lawyer. It's like, am I like 12 or something? Like, not really realizing consequences, you know, that you got highly flammable, you know, uh, Halloween costumes. And we got a fire pit. Makes sense. <laughs> that was silly, but God's good. Anyway. So we would have these outreaches. And one of the things I did in setting it up is I would put a lamp on our front driveway, like, you know, floor lamp. And I remember I'd walk down the street and I'd look at this like, this is awesome. Because <laughs> it's the darkest night of the year. Let's just be honest about it. It's the darkest night of the year, and what you see on my front driveway is a lamp. I mean, talk about so out of context, and that's why I loved it. Because people say that, well, that's strange, but it's just a literal lamp casting light in what is a very dark time. That's your home. That's God's vision for your home. I hope you have that vision for your home. I have that vision for your home. Right out of the, I mean, let's just do the Bible, right? You are the light of the world. You don't put it under a bowl. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. How do we do that? To let your light shine so you can be figuratively as that lamp was on Halloween at my house on these outreaches, just shining a light. This gets very practical. And my encouragement to you, what particularly I'm asking you to do, is to let your light shine in the house. How do we do that? I've laid the groundwork for this in this area of trust. You know, I talked about trust as casting your cares and anxieties upon him. When you do that, that is the same thing as having the thorns removed so that the light of the sun can now shine upon you. And there's a practical way that we do that in our homes. If you have children, whether or not you have children, Children happen to really push the issue. You see, with children, they are hardwired to believe. They ha they're not like us that are, as Clayton mentioned one time, we are highly developed creatures of unbelief. That's what we are. Children, nah. You tell them something, they believe you. There is a value to the presence of God that I trust you will just grow in naturally in your home. And one of the ways 
We, we always, as, as parents, we, we were told this, not our thing, but we were told this years and years ago that one of the goals with our kids was just to get them into the presence of God because now they get a choice. They have a choice now to grab hold of something of God. It's their choice. You're not making them believe anything, but they always have that opportunity to choose and grab hold of something of God. And that's what I'm encouraging you for your homes. You see, let me tell you just one of my stories. It's a very simple story. You know, my, my parents were in ministry. And if you know anything about people in ministry, they're not typically well off. So we were poor. And I remember my mom, you know, just acknowledging the realities of some of these things. She just said, you know, but God will provide. So it's all she said, very simple. I've never forgotten it. I've never forgotten it in a way that it has found a part of, formed and founded a part of my belief system. Because this is about as real as it got for us. And that's an example of casting a care upon him and placing your trust in him. And so one of the practical ways you let the light shine in your home is to speak as you trust. It's not, don't ever feel like you have to have the answers. Because explicitly, as I said in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is kind of offensive to me, every answer that I have is actually in opposition to placing my trust in him. So as you speak out of that place of acknowledging that you don't have the answer, that you don't understand what's going to happen, that there is great risk, actually, if this doesn't come through, and yet I still place my trust in him. That is letting the light of God shine in your home. And don't ever minimize and diminish the power of that. And that's how we can, when we trust, placing our trust in the Lord, practically going through our lives, the opportunity there is quite immense. See, we know all the stuff, and I'm gonna close in just a minute. The tongue, we know Proverbs, right? Proverbs 18.20, the tongue has the power of life and death. We know that. Let your tongue speak life. And speaking life is to allow and giving practical expression of trust in God. And that's my encouragement to you. I believe that that when your light shines in your home, people will recognize. Your kids will recognize it. People around you will recognize it because it is a, it's, it's not natural for them. So I just want to encourage you with that. But I'd love to just pray for us. I know Tommy's going to come up in just a second. If you would, don't mind, just close your eyes. I just want to pray for us. Lord, I just thank you, and I'm trusting that just throughout this morning, your presence has just been tangible, that who you are has become more clear by revelation by your spirit. 
that has been our only endeavor, is to speak of you as the one that who is trustworthy, the one who has said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Your faithfulness goes so far beyond what we can understand because you are faithful. So I thank you for this morning. And I pray, Lord, just more of you in us. Amen. Can you say with me, thank you, Jesus? Yeah. I would stand up here and encourage you, but instead I'm going to implore you to receive this man as the teacher that he is. Fountains of wisdom from life experience, from heavenly downloads. He talked about his home as a light in his neighborhood. I'm going to extend that to his whole community, not just his neighborhood. Some of you know my wife and I lead a life group. We love it. We started in theirs. And that has, God's done a lot over those years. So, Joanne, thank you. Uh, there will be a ministry team over here to pray with you for uh, whatever you would like, whatever you would need. Um, and another plug, if you're struggling with migraines or headaches in general, come get prayer again for that. Visitors, I did not welcome you before. Thank you so much for being with us and online as well. If you're here for the first time, please grab a gift bag on the front table on your way out. We love you. Be blessed. Have a great week. morning, Free Life Church. We are glad you've joined us today. If you are visiting in person, please stop by the Connection Corner in the lobby to receive your welcome bag and find out how to connect with us. We look forward to meeting you. We are excited to share that we have a new member on our announcement team starting next week. We are still looking for a few more friendly voices. If you are interested in joining the team, contact us at flcadmin at freelifechurchva.com. Gentlemen, we have an awesome event for you. Saturday, November 14th, the men will gather around a bonfire at Kevin Poole's home for a cornhole tournament and chili from Smokin' Willie's. Registration is free and closes in a few days, so grab a cornhole partner and sign up today. Ladies, we regret that we do have to cancel the event with Cheryl Price on November 6th, but due to illness, Cheryl is unable to travel. Please join us in praying for her. Our Living Free Ministry would love to help you restore a deeper connection with the Lord. We have a few appointments remaining this year. Dump the baggage and walk into 2022 finally free. Email livingfree at freelifechurchva.com for details. The holidays are coming quickly. Stay informed of upcoming events and schedule changes by subscribing to our weekly newsletter. Scan the QR code or text free life to 41400 to sign up. Election Day is upon us. If you haven't already voted early, remember to vote this Tuesday, November 2nd at your local polling center. Our last encounter night of the year is November 13th. Come out for an amazing evening of encountering God through worship. Remember to learn about all of our upcoming events. Please see the events page on our website. Thanks for tuning in.